What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Thursday, May 12th edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we had some technical difficulties <laughs> to begin today's show. Of course, uh, that would make sense because I thought I'd be able to get in here and get it rolling fairly quickly. And uh, the computer equipment told me nah. Told me nah. Chris, you doing barbecue today? I am doing barbecue as soon as we're done. I'm heading down to, uh, to Midtown. Well, I can get down with that. I can get down with that. I uh, I believe I'll be out there tomorrow uh, on Friday. Uh, that is depending upon whether or not it rains, of course. Because um, It's not raining to be... tomorrow. You don't think so? Nope. Not so. a chance, baby. It's coming in Saturday, maybe a little late Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Well, I can get down with that. So as long as it doesn't rain on me on Friday night, then I will be there on Friday evening to go see the Spin Doctors. How cool is that, right? <laughs> Do you remember the Spin Doctors at all? Yes, I remember. The, I, I was listen. The Spin Doctors are on my playlist. I listen to all the time. That's I love the Spin Doctors. My my little brother and I had a tape when we were nine, ten, somewhere around there, and uh, and we used to. I mean, I, we wore that thing out. I, I bet that tape melted in the tape player. I mean, it was uh, Jimmy Olsen's Blues and Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and all that. Oh, we were all over. Yeah. We love that stuff. So yeah, we will probably be there on Friday night. Uh, so long as you know things don't get hairy. I know there's like a seventy percent chance of thunderstorms, but uh, but I, I'm like tomorrow. You. That's I what it's looking at the weather right. Guess that on Friday night. Mm. Friday night. I looked at it this morning, so, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure people want to listen to us talk about the weather. Right? <laughs> we got a we got a lot to discuss. Of course, today we are discussing the Mac West, but we do have two orders of business to discuss before we get there. Let's go ahead and fire it off, your boy, Tommy. Got him a big, fat deal from Fox to broadcast football games for 10 years, $375 million. And that, all he's got to do is call football games. He'll be like the next Tony Romo, only expected to be better than Tony Romo because he's going to be making $20 more million a year than Tony Romo. Uh, right, but he's not going to make $20 more million a year every year. As soon as Tony Romo's deals up, this is just like NFL quarterbacks, Gary. Oh yeah, the next deal is always the biggest deal, right? Now, There's right. a reason that that these guys are never the highest paid guy for long because the next deal is always the biggest. So the second Tony's deal is up, Tony will get this kind of money because this is what these guys can demand because these TV deals are so lucrative. Well, Tony's deal won't be up until uh, twenty thirty. So that's because he signed a big ass deal. And yeah, that's ten year, him. ten year contract, seventeen and a half million per year. Uh, he did but that gonna, in early twenty twenty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet he's got an opportunity to renegotiate that after a couple of years. And more than likely, more than likely. Uh, so give well, I don't know. CBS, CBS kind of some assholes about their contracts. So yeah, you're not, you, you are not wrong there. You are not wrong there. We know that with the SEC. Give me your thoughts on this. I'm a, 
I mean, I, I would say I'm surprised, but uh, but I'm not. You know, like this is uh, this is interesting. This is. I, I mean, it's I, obviously Tommy wants to be around football. That's what he wants. Okay, at some point in time, he wants to be around football. There was some talks of him being in consideration for ownership uh, with with a, a couple of different teams um, and and things like that. Uh, I think this kills those, which is fine by ninety percent of everybody that's involved. But um, you know, it's just one of those things where he he wants to be around the game. This keeps him around the game. Yeah, I think it works. Uh, it says uh, it will work, or Brady will work as an ambassador for Fox with a focus on client and promotional initiatives, whatever that means. Uh, let's see, Murdoch said, we're delighted that Tom is committed to joining the Fox team. Wish him all the best during this upcoming season. Uh, Brady tweeted he's excited to eventually join Fox, but noted that he still has unfinished business on the field with the Bucks. Uh, this is, you know... I, he he made it so Tom Brady has made over three hundred million dollars in his career, uh, and this will be even more than that. Like he has played for he's played football for twenty years, and he will make. Uh, let's see, after this season, he will have made three hundred seventeen point six seven million dollars in his football career, and and then he's got another ten year deal worth three hundred seventy five million. Uh, this is, of course, did you see a lot of tweets about, uh, of course, Tom Brady would go call games for Fox, right? Like it, like it's some kind of, uh, <laughs> like it was only Fox that was going to give him this massive amount of money because of his ties to Donald Trump and whatever else, right? Like how ridiculous is this? Like, I, I, Hang on now. Troy Aikman and them just called games for Fox, oh, I don't know, for the last 17 years? Yeah. And it wasn't a thing? It wasn't political at all? Like, Come on, man. This is so stupid. <laughs> That's what I'm that, saying. That they ES- like to pick fights. Folks if, that don't like Tom. If like ESPN had been able to get this deal done, there is no way they pass on being able to get Tom Brady to call football games. No for chance. Him. There's no, no chance. chance. Like, this is one of the white whales. It was Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Uh, and Brady has been really good since he got on social media and everything else. Like, he is, he has turned himself into a much more likable figure than what he was even just, I mean, what, five years ago? I mean, he people openly root for him the way that they never did before. And I, I think this is certainly, certainly a PR win for Fox. Uh, it's big for Tom, for sure, with all the, all the money. But, it, I mean, my gosh, $375 million over 10 years to call football games. Like, this, this is funny money at this point. Like, are we getting to a point where this bubble is going to eventually burst, or does it just keep going? Would only burst when the TV contracts dry up. So, yes, at some point in time, it's going to stop because I don't think the TV contracts are going to keep going like this. But maybe it doesn't, and until they dry up, the money for the caller guys will dry up. Stuart Mandel. I mean, why would it? From Stuart from uh, excuse me, Stuart Mandel from the Athletic uh, tweeted something about. Wow, you're paying this guy this much money, and it's not going to change a single person that would watch the game or would not. And I don't think that's the case. Like, I am much more likely to watch a game with Tom Brady calling it than I am with anybody else calling it. Like, do you feel the same so, way there? Well, no, uh, because I'm not going to watch the Tom Brady game. If the Tom Brady game gets, you know, for some reason the big game on Fox is, you know, a Cowboys-Giants game and both teams are mediocre? No. And it's the, you know, the 4 o'clock game. And for some reason, I got, you know, Green Bay-San Francisco and they're two of the top teams in their divisions playing. I'm not watching the, the game because of Tom. I'm just not. 
okay? But what it means is, is when people watch the games, they're more enjoyable. When people watch the big games, they're getting a better experience. I kind of agree that the person that calls the games doesn't prevent me from watching because my watching habits are I'm going to watch my teams and or the best games. But it absolutely makes the experience much more enjoyable. And there's something to these companies saying, I'm not just doing this to get more eyeballs, but I'm doing it to get the people that are watching to actually like what they're watching. And that's a good point. That is a good point. That I mean, I never huge... stopped watching Monday Night Football with John Gruden for the last decade. But you show But I hated to. every second of it. <laughs> I went to bars to watch it where I didn't hear the sound because I just couldn't stand listening to that guy talk. That makes sense. Makes sense. Hopefully, Tom will not turn into that. I, I hope that he doesn't just turn well, there's into... The, there's, there's, like, there's zero chance. There's absolutely zero chance of that. If you watch... See, people who say, you know, oh, we don't even... He's getting all that money. We don't even know if he's going to be good at that. Those are people that haven't paid attention to the last four or five years. This guy has a production company. He, is, he has made several shows where he is incredibly um, available, accessible, says things that he wants to say. Uh, really entertaining. If you've watched the match at all, you see how well he can talk and, and, and be um, entertaining. He's got no problems being a self-deprecating and also jabbing at other folks. I think those are two things that make somebody likable and 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 and, and agreeable to be around. Um, I, he can I take agree. a joke. He can take a joke just as much as he can give one. I think that's important. Um, I think he's witty, and there's nobody that will be able to pick apart the game like he can. He will be doing the exact same things Tony does by showing you this is what the defense is giving you, this is what the defense is looking at doing, this is what the offense should do. And and he is going to teach you about the game in doing so. And that is exactly what you want out of a guy that's that's a color analyst, right? So it, that's it's right. him that's and Kevin The Burkhart. color analyst's job. Yes. Yep. And up until a couple of years ago, Troy, listen, Troy Aitman been cashing checks all these years, and, and he might as well have just been putting a bag over, over Fox's head and stealing the money because he literally did nothing. He said no, he was John Gruden 2.0. He said nothing. And then the last couple of years, he started becoming critical. And he started actually calling guys out for being terrible at their job. And I think that was important. I think that gives him – credibility because if you can say the negative it trusts me when you're saying the positive it makes me believe you when you say the positive you say nothing but positive things about everybody then i and then i have no reason to believe any of the compliments at all i just assume they're all lies that makes sense yeah you and i have talked about this before guys that are that are nice all the time all the time uh, kind of you know, there, there's something to that. There's it maybe, maybe not all of it is true, and you don't know what's a lie and what's not because it can't all be true. No, so, well, and some of this is like, like, so I love Herb Street. I absolutely love Herb Street with college, but he has this problem. Like a couple of years ago, he just refused to be critical of Nebraska. Everybody in the country knew Nebraska was going to be mediocre to terrible, and her, he he just wouldn't go on TV and say. This team is not where they want to be, and 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 I think it's going to be a struggling trying year. And he came out and he used some weird cliche of, well, they can win the national championship this year. And holy shit, people took that and ran with it. Yeah, because the odds all you got to do bananas. is just <laughs> – They went bananas. And it's just one of those things where, like, come on, man. 
People listen to you. You have a responsibility to tell them the truth. And if I put a gun to your head and I hook some jumper cables up to your nipples, there's no <laughs> chance on earth you're telling me you really believe they could win the national championship. Well, that's they weren't I, I even think, competitive. I think this happened with Herb Street when his kids got old enough to actually play college football. And at that yes. point, he he didn't want anybody to say anything bad about his kids, so he didn't want to say yes. anything bad about anybody else's. And I wonder well, if maybe that's you part. saying good things or bad things ain't gonna stop anybody else from saying good things or bad things. All I want, and there's a nice way to do things, okay? Yeah. There's a polite way to do it, but you've got to call balls and strikes. You can't just call everything a strike. You just can't give everybody everything. Yeah. Everybody's not the greatest all the time. Because when you actually tell somebody they're great and they are, it doesn't mean anything. Because you told the nine, you know, other guys that are just average to mediocre the same thing. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Exactly. So, so the compliments so don't, don't matter. I don't think Tom will. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Tom will be that at all. I think he'll be personable. I don't know that he's going to go in there and murder him, folks. Troy has kind of swung the other way. If you piss him off, or he don't like you, or he don't like your play, he got no problem now telling you that is garbage. I don't know that we're going to get that Tom, but I think we're going to get an honest, real Tom. I think, I think if he so. sees something he don't like, I think he's going to call it out. But I also think we're going to get great stories. I think we're going to get unbelievable stories uh, about the game, about guys playing in the game, about guys' dads that played in the game that he played with or uncles that they played with because he's been in the damn league for 24 years. Um, you know, so I think I think it's going to be great. Now, I'm a Tom fan, but I've also watched him be great at all these other things. Like True. outside of Eli and Peyton, nobody else – in the sports world, not just football, the sports world has been as good as him in SNL. And that's live bullets, man. That is live TV. That's true. You're not wrong. You were not wrong about that. Let's uh let's go ahead and move off of Brady. Let's move over to one of our favorite topics. The Memphis Tigers. The Liberty Bowl renovations are a go. Now these have been rumored for quite some time. Um but it it is, I mean, they are getting some massive, massive renovations done to the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. It is not the Liberty Bowl anymore. It is now Liberty Stadium. Uh, I've got the video pulled up here that uh, that is showing everything. Uh, and I'll, I'll read you through this. It said the game has changed and we evolved. And it's showing a bunch of the students and whatnot. It says be part of our future. And then it shows a redone Liberty Bowl Stadium. And it looks absolutely massive and epic and everything else if you and it of course they've redone tiger lane already they have redone a lot of things over there in that fairgrounds area uh have you been over there yet have you seen what all the work yeah i was all i was there all day yesterday i work in midtown what are you talking about drive by it every day well i figured as much uh they they are working on this new entertainment our sports entertainment complex they're going to make it a youth sports haven over there uh the the news here, the Liberty Bowl, by the way, looked out of place with all of the new stuff that is going in. Everything else was new and redone and renovated, and the Liberty Bowl Stadium, of course, was old, decrepit, you know, it had a lot of issues, needed a lot of work. This thing says elements of the 150 to $200 million renovation with goal of completion prior to the 2025 season says transformation of the west side with innovative premium seating, hospitality experience within Halo space, family boxes, and student party deck. Now, the pictures look awesome. Like, this is big-time stuff. 
Uh, and you and I talked before we got on the air about all of this. Uh, so the Tigers put, why is this our football future? Uh, it says, optimizes position in evolving athletics landscape. Commitment to sustained competitive and recruiting success. Upgrades the fan experience. Positive long-term economic impacts for the university and the city. Uh, to, to shorten this up, the truth of the matter is this. You said if they don't do this, they are not getting into the Big 12 whenever they decide to do it again. Uh, And even if they don't get into the Big 12, you still had to do this to be able to dominate what's left of the AAC so that nobody can sneak up on you. If you are going to maintain a football powerhouse, you need to keep up with the Joneses regardless of what conference you're in. And, And I think that this is the first step in doing that. Obviously, they have fixed the... Not fixed... They are working on upgrades to the football facilities. Uh, they've already redone the basketball stuff. They have redone the baseball stuff, etc. Every other athletic thing on campus has done it. This one is not on campus, and they are finally putting in the money to make it big time. Uh, give me your thoughts here. Well, yeah, I think that that's exactly what they got to do. There's no reason if they never get into the Big 12, being Boise is a bad thing. You know, let's yeah. dominate this conference. Every t- – we're, we're football in the South. We know exactly who Boise State is. We know how exactly they good they are every year. Um, we, we know the players. Uh, we follow the program because they are worth following, and everybody in the country that's a college football fan knows it, even if you don't live in that area or care anything about Mountain West football. And, and I think there's no reason Memphis can't become that. Hey, you can also get to a point, by the way – of just going independent. Like, and I know that that sounds crazy, but... I think that's crazy for a team it, like Memphis. Well, I mean, if, if you're in the AAC and all of a sudden you've got these other teams that are dropping out, right? You've got the big-name guys. It, it might not be the worst but the idea. But the AAC's not going to fall. The AAC's not going to fall. There's always going to be a G5 level, and that G5 level is always going to have its hierarchy of the top and the bottom of it. And you'd rather be the top of the – I'll tell you this. I'd much rather be the top of a G5 than the bottom of a P5, okay? Call me and tell me, would you rather be a Kansas fan or a Vanderbilt fan or a Memphis fan? All right, let's have that discussion, okay? Would you rather win three games a year or two games a year? Would you rather win nine games a year? I don't care about the caliber of opponent. I don't care the guys coming in. Winning football games is fun. Being in competitive football games is fun. This is true. This is true. I was looking at it more from the aspect of if we do have a split between the haves and the have-nots, right? As we've kind of alluded to for a while, uh, Memphis wants to be one of the haves. Like, well, I understand that, that but like. you don't think – hang on now. You don't think dominating the conference is going to give you the ability to make the decisions in the conference? Oh, I'm sure it will. So once the American gets realigned and it's all settled in the wash and the guys that are out are out and the guys that are in are in, if you're the number one team in that conference year in and year out, or a top two or three team in that conference year year out, what you say and what you want goes far more weight than 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 what the the new guys say or what the smaller guys say. All right, and so if you want to, if 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 they break away from the NCAA, a section of college football, and you want to do that, I'm going to tell you if you're the American and you know that your cash cow's ready to leave you kind of listen to them. You say, hey, how about we all break away? And you start lobbying folks to do it. 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. I can get with you. So I do, I do not think this is going to be only the big boys are going to leave. I just don't. I, I just don't believe that's going to happen. I, I think the, the schools that want to, that have the uh, ability to do so, will will be able to do it. They will be afforded an opportunity. Um, but I think a lot of them are going to have the ability to do it. I don't think it's just your Alabamas and your Georgias and your Ohio States. It's not just yeah. going to be the biggest schools in the country. No, I it's agree. All, there's a lot of these little programs. UAB has put a shitload of money into football. UAB is going to want to compete with the best of everybody. No, I, I tend to agree with that. I tend to agree with that. We shall see. Uh, it. I mean, the, the photos look absolutely magnificent. I mean, it's it's really good stuff. So we'll see what it ends my, up looking like. My, my question is, is what are they going to do while they're doing it? And I guess they're going to have to do this in phases because it's not like they got another facility they can go play at for a couple of years. <laughs> they can go over to Central High School, I guess. <laughs> oh, Lord. Surely they're not going to do that. <laughs> no, I would imagine they'll, they'll do it in phases and they'll work on it in the offseason. Uh, but it is a renovation. It is not just tear down and start over. So, you know, you may not have the entire stadium available at all times, but... Maybe that's okay. I mean, who knows? We'll we'll see how they do it. It's, it could be interesting. Uh, let me go on and get these ad reads out of the way. Uh, podcast. Go on and check it out over on YouTube or whatever your favorite podcast app is. You can always find everything you need to know about us over at winningcureseverything.com. Uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast and leave a, uh, a written review there as well. Spotify now lets you leave reviews. And we have got several of them. Thank you to all of you that have already put out five-star reviews. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, go ahead and do that if you have not. We would like to uh, to continue climbing in those Spotify rankings, uh, which, by the way, Chris, I haven't told you this, Spotify has overtaken Apple as our most listened to uh, app, which I never thought I'd see the day, but a lot of people using Spotify now. Really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, YouTube. Everybody's rolling in on YouTube. Y'all keep doing the YouTube thing. We appreciate that. Jump into the comments. Jump into the chat. We appreciate that. We want to hear your opinions on all of these teams, all of these different topics that we hit. We would appreciate that. And, of course, you can always find us on Twitter. I am at GaryWCE. Chris is at ChrisBGiannini. And the show is at Winning Cures. DMs are open. Or you can just tweet us in public, whatever. I get a lot of DMs for whatever reason. But, uh... But you guys can also just put that stuff out there publicly, and I'll answer it. You know, whatever. Same with Chris. We do the same thing. Uh, if you want to see more of me, you can find me over at BetUSTV.com. I have got a ton of content coming up. We're doing a show on the French Open, like betting strategies for tennis next week. Uh, we are doing the Preakness Stakes. We are doing... Oh, God. Uh, oh, oh, oh. They're starting a boxing show with uh, TJ and Dan Raphael. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this, so and, and I'll be talking about some of that as well over there. So go to BetUSTV.com and check it out. Chris, it is time, my friend. We are going to jump into the Mac West 2022 college football previews. And we, we talked about this the other day. The Mac East was a little bit, eh, not... Uh, we don't expect a lot from them. How's that? The Mac West, however, this is the stronger side of the conference. This is uh, the teams. How about this? Every single team in the Mac West last year went at least four and four in the conference, and the champion only went six and two. So this is a strong, strong division. Uh, Chris, we're going to start off with 
the Northern Illinois Huskies. But before we do that, uh, give me initial thoughts on the Mac West. You you agree with me? This is a much stronger side of the conference. Well, it's a much stronger side of the conference, but at the end of the day, because of the non-con schedule that all these teams have, and because I think these guys are going to cannibalize each other, I just don't have anybody great. I, th- I think everybody's coming out of here with multiple losses. I, okay, I could see that. I could see that. That's I do think – now I've got one team that, I, that I'm really high on. <laughs> I'm looking at it, and I'm like, hmm, I might have gone a little overboard on this. But uh, but we'll we'll figure it out. We will figure all this out. Um, let's start off with Northern Illinois, the Huskies. Uh, I could not have been more wrong about this team last year. Uh, Thomas Hammock is the coach. They went nine and five, lost the bowl game. Uh, it was a weird, weird ending to the season against Coastal Carolina. Uh, they went six and two in conference. Uh, you know, returning production number two in the country, eighty seven percent. Uh, they return 88% of their offensive production. They return 85% of their defensive production. And yet, if you look at their roster strength, they are still number 104 in the country. Uh, there's not a ton of talent. They did have some pretty big losses here. The wide receiver, Richie, uh, linebacker, Lance DeVoe Jr., the running back, uh, Jevion Ducker, or Jay Ducker, uh, has transferred over to Memphis. You know, you lost the, the the big time punter that was able to kind of flip the field position there. Their short yardage back, uh, Clint Radkovich is uh, is gone. Like, and then their center, uh, uh, Braden Patteon. Like, they lose what seemed like a lot to me, really important pieces, and yet they bring back a ton of production. So I found that to be odd. Um, here's what you need to know about the offense: uh, they avoided negative plays. They converted eighty three percent of 30 fourth down attempts. Uh, most of their fourth down attempts were short yardage. This is a team that really, really liked to run the football. Uh, Rocky Lombardi is the quarterback. He averaged 5.9 yards per non-sack carry last year, threw for 2,500-plus yards and 15 touchdowns. He was way better than he was at Michigan State. Um, my question is, what ends up happening without the wide receiver, Richie, and without that running back, Ducker? Uh, they still got dudes, but... You know, it, it's going to be interesting. They got Ontario Brown uh, at running back. They got Travion Rudolph. Uh, sorry, Travon Rudolph. Um, they still got some playmakers. They got some things going on on offense, and they were able to do things with that running game that were surprising. Uh, you know, it, when you look at the defense, it's a whole different thing. Do you remember how bad that defense was? I mean, they were number 123 yeah. in defensive PPA per drive. Um, they tried to fix that a little bit. They went out, they hired... Uh, a new co-defensive coordinator, Nick Benedetto from Samford in the FCS level. Uh, they were dreadful last year, but they were number 24 in allowing only 41% of fourth down conversions. The fourth down conversions, they were plus 42% margin between those two. I don't know that that will be replicable again. I don't know that anybody's had anything close to that uh, in, in quite some time. They had 16 freshmen. They played on defense last year, which could be part of the problem as to why they were so bad. Uh, 16 freshmen got 160-plus snaps, and that includes seven linemen. So they could be or maybe should be better, but are we sure that trial by fire actually works? I don't know that I can say that. Um, on top of that, they went 7-3 and three in one-score games last year. They were 5-0 and yeah. oh 
in games decided by two points or less or overtime. Um, which that's, is the in, set, that's the set I was yeah, looking at. Which is insane because the, their turnover margin was number 100 in the country. Like, <laughs> give me your thoughts here because this team made no sense last year, but they you could tell that they were well coached. They were number 19 in penalties per game last year. Um, you, you hope that experience will help this team improve a little bit, but I don't know that you can really improve on what they did last year going 9-5 and five and winning the MAC title. Um, again, cheers to Thomas Hammock. Uh, I've got this team at seven and five. I'm I'm curious uh, what you're looking at with this team. I've got them seven and five as well. Exactly the same thing. I think they've got a tough non-con schedule. In uh, I mean Vanderbilt, I, I think they'll they'll handle. Um, you know, getting an SEC win will be big for them. But but Tulsa's been no joke. Kentucky is obviously a beast. We think they're going to be really good this year. Um, I, I think in conference. They're going to do really well, you know. I, you know, I think they could win five, six games in conference, and um, you know, whatever. But it, all those one-score games scare me because at some point in time, all we need is the ball to bounce a little bit funny one way or the other, exactly. and half of them, and their record massively swings, massively swings. Still think they're a good team. They're obviously a well-coached team. You talked about the penalties. That's a coaching thing. Um, that's all about discipline. Lost a lot of talent, bringing some new guys in. We'll see if the new guys are as good as the old guys. And, you know, seven and five is exactly where I got them. That's, I, I've got them actually six and two again in the conference. Um, yeah, see, I, th- I thought the same thing. I got one coin flip game. I basically have them four, two, and one. Uh, and I got a coin flip game in there. Um, but that's kind of it. Yeah, it's, yeah, I've got them losing to Vanderbilt, but it wouldn't shock me if they did beat Vanderbilt. I've got them losing to Tulsa. It wouldn't shock me if they beat Tulsa. Uh, That's right. This is a, That's right. I, think they'll, I think they'll split those that series. Like the, This is the math I'm using. Is I don't know that they'll win this game. I don't know if they'll win that game. But I'm, I don't think they'll go 2-0 against Tulsa and Vandy. I also don't think they'll go 0-2 against Tulsa and Vandy. That's kind of how I'm figuring this out. Makes, makes sense. Uh, the defensive line looks a, a little weak, uh, but again – uh, you know, we're, we're doing this based on, like, recruiting rankings and everything else. Uh, the back seven looks good. Like, they, I know they got some good talent uh, in the back seven, but I'm, I'm curious about the defensive line. Again, they had 16 freshmen play 160-plus snaps on defense. It, it was trial by fire. It was, you get in here, and we are going to start playing immediately, and they did just enough. The defense was not good. You're going to need that offense uh, to have that same kind of success. Uh because like their PPA margin last year was number ninety three, and yet their offensive PPA per drive was number eleven. The defense was number one twenty three. Like you couldn't have a more vast difference between the two. So we'll we'll see what they end up doing this year. But uh, but we're, we're both looking at about seven and five ish, and uh, and I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to. Da, 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 da. We're going to move on to Central Michigan, and the Chippewas, of course. Jim McElwain's bunch. They went 9-4 and four last year, got their first win over a P5 team since 2017 when they beat Washington State in the Sun Bowl, and that was a last-second game. Uh, they looked like the more athletic and more physical football team against Washington State, which is a bit surprising. Um, they had to hire a new offensive coordinator this year, so they went out and they got Paul Petrino, which could be interesting. Uh, they got their quarterback, Richardson, back, along with the nation's leading rusher, Lou Nichols, they got to develop some wide receivers uh, because they lost Khalil Pimpleton there, uh, along with Ja'Cory Sullivan. But uh, Dallas Dixon, 
being back definitely helps. He had 15.4 yards per reception last year, eight touchdowns. You got to find somebody that provides the explosiveness that Pimpleton did. Uh, when it comes to punt returns, everything, they didn't have a single other guy return a punt other than Pimpleton last year, and he was explosive. He averaged over 19 yards uh, per punt return, and he had two touchdowns. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, along with that, you got to figure out what's going on with the defense here. Uh, the defense was pretty good, but you got to figure out who replaces the defensive ends, Hairston and Sadiq. Uh, they combined for 38 tackles for loss and 12 sacks last year. Uh, you're also replacing linebackers and defensive backs. Their, their roster strength right now is number 124 in the country, which is not great. The offense is number 65. That's pretty good. It's high, high up in the MAC. Um, I think they're going to be fine. They won seven of eight down the stretch in 21, including that Sun Bowl win. Uh, they went four and one in one possession games. You got to figure, you know, can they replicate that? Because that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, can the new guys limit explosive plays more than they did last year? I I don't know. They were number 78 uh, in defensive explosive rate. And that's that's going to be, I don't know. That's tough. Uh, they do return defensive end uh, Thomas and Coombe, and they do return defensive tackle Jacques Bristol. So this is a team that, you know, you, you lost eight. By the way, they did lose a second-round offensive tackle, uh, Bernard Raymond. So they lost him, and then they lost their right tackle, Luke Godecki, uh, along with their safety, Alonzo McCoy. So they've got some big holes that they got to fill, but man... The way Richardson played last year and the way that that offense moved with Lou Nichols, I am high, high, high on this team right now. Uh, brother, I've got them going 9-3. and three. Like, I okay, think, Well, they went 9-4 and four last year. I mean... Yeah. They're, they're so projected SP like Plus. A- their, their SP Plus record is 7-5. Uh, is and five. Um, They went 8-5 and five against the spread last year. Uh, so it's, it's not inconceivable that they could go, you know, 9-3 and three again this year. Um, they were eight and four heading into the bowl game last year, but I, I look at this schedule and the way that it sets up, like yeah, I think they're probably going to lose at Penn State. They're probably going to lose at Oklahoma State. I, I think most everything else is winnable. So I, my only yeah, other loss is really at good chance they, Yeah, yeah, they could they could go ten and two if they want it. You know, if if everything falls right, I'm with you. I like the uh, addition of Trino there. Um, if he can bring you know Daddy's offense. Uh, that we have seen be unbelievable in college football yeah. to a G5 school, man, look out. Look out because that thing is explosive. And, and, and you know, I wonder, can you install it in one year with, with you know, younger, inexperienced guys uh, kind of around you talk about the offensive line and stuff like that. But um, I, I think they have potential to be real good. I have them eight and four. But that's because I think this conference, this side of the conference, every conference game, while I think they could win them all, I, I also think they could lose two of them just because I, I think it's going to be a meat grinder. I think yeah. a week in and week out between, you know, you've got them, you mentioned Toledo, uh, you've got Northern Illinois, you've, you've got, you know, Eastern and Western Michigan. I, I, I think this conference, this division is a meat grinder. And, and I think it's going to be real hard. To, to just go undefeated through it. No, so I've got I, I don't think you're wrong. They, they do play and at I, Toledo. I got, uh, yeah, and, I got no damn idea what games they'll lose. If <laughs> they you play, ask me right now, yeah. I, I don't know. They play at Toledo. They play at Northern Illinois. 
and they've got at Eastern Michigan. The the other road conference game is at Akron, and I, I I'm feeling pretty strong that they'll win that one. But again, uh, we don't really know what to expect from Joe Moorhead's bunch. So, I mean, you never know. Look, like it, the, the we know they're is always young, crazy. they're green, and 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 yeah, I mean, inexperienced. That's yeah. what we know. But if there is anybody that would be able to develop wide receivers fairly quickly, uh, I would I would trust a Petrino. <laughs> I would that's trust right. a Petrino. That's right. No, no, that's that's what I'm saying. That offense has potential to be, yeah, really real, good, real, real on fire. And maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. That might be putting the cart before the horse. I don't if, know. Uh, with, if they with, can hang on, if they can hang on to him, they can build. With Lou Nichols and uh, you got uh, uh, good gracious uh, Daniel Richardson, the quarterback back. Like you got experience at the at the points where you know it really matters. You got some leaders on this team. Um, they got a they got a strong shot to be really good this year, really good. Now 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 here's the other thing, that's a lot of hope that he might be his daddy, and we have seen many a times guys aren't nearly as successful as their daddies. So that's, let, that's let's true. just under understand. Well, that his is, his that brother. Is, that, that is, is hope. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, yeah. brother. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, but, I, but but that not everybody is the same as their family. No, you're not right? wrong. You are not Just because one guy's real successful doesn't mean the other's going to be. But their potential true. is there. It certainly is. We will move on to the Toledo Rockets. And Jason Candle has continued to underwhelm year after year after year. They went seven and six last year. They were eight and five against the spread. They went five and three in the conference. Uh had some big losses. Like some some borderline NFL guys. Linebacker Jonathan Jones, cornerback Samuel Womack, their center Bryce Harris is gone, wide receiver Bryce Mitchell, the safety Tyson Anderson, uh, cornerback Justin Clark, and the safety Saeed Holt are both out. Um, they This is a team that always has talent, right? Uh, and yep. most of the talent this year is on defense. They're number 43 in roster strength. They're overall number 81 because the offense is number 101. Uh, they do yep. have, looking at the offense, quarterback Daquan Finn was a freshman last year and played really, really well. 18 touchdowns, only two interceptions. But the offense was 97th in third down conversions and 99th on fourth down conversions. Uh, you got to look at some of the transfers that they brought in. They brought in uh, the running back Boone from Maryland and wide receiver Mikel Barkley from TCU. Uh, could those guys provide a little more consistency on offense? Uh, possibly. Um they had a 55 to 45 rushing to pass balance last year. I wonder if that stays the same this year. Um because they ran a lot, but I if they trust the quarterback a little more this year, that might open that thing up. That's what Jason Candle kind of was known for a little bit. Um their projected SP plus record is 9 and 3. Uh but again, they always underperform their SP plus record. Like this is the best recruiting team in the MAC every single year. Uh what drove me crazy this team went seven and six, and yet they were number seven in PPA margin last year. They should have been a lot better. Uh, a stat that that drives me insane: they were number thirteen in turnover margin, which is awesome. But they were dead last in the FBS in penalties per game. Like that will kill you every time. Uh, looking at the defense, they finished fourteenth in sack rate, sixteenth in overall havoc rate. Uh, the co-defense coordinator Craig Kuligowski, who used to be at Miami, he went to Alabama for a little bit. Um, his hiring in 2020 has worked great. The front seven does look explosive again, but you got to figure out, like, can the D limit the big plays? They gave up 165 plays of 10-plus yards last year. 
they got big names. They got Devin Maddox back as, as a wide receiver. They got safety Nate Bauer in, uh, defensive end Deshaun Johnson. Um, you got to clean up the penalties. You, you got to get the passing game going a little more. The offensive roster strength is a little weak, but with Finn again in his second year, he should improve that 57.6% completion percentage. Uh, they were 1-7 in, in one-score games in the last two seasons, and their kicker, Thomas Kluke, was only 14 out of 24 on field goals. You got to improve special teams. You got to get better uh, in the margins in order to be able to have one of those 9-3 and three seasons like they're predicting. I think this team's going to be good. I mean, they, they've got an easy enough schedule. Um, I say easy enough. I mean, we know this side of the conference is a little bit stronger. But their non-conference, they've got LIU, UMass, at Ohio State, and at San Diego State. They they should get at least two of those. They could oh, compete yeah. with San Diego State. So, Ooh. I mean, if, if so you, you get, think this team's better than we think. I, I've, got them, I've got them losing to San Diego State. I've got them 8-4. and four. So... Okay. You know. All right. I'm I'm a little bit more pessimistic, I guess, about all these teams. I think I'm one game behind you on all of them. I've, I've got them. Okay. I've got them seven and five. Seven and five. Okay. That's a, well. You had uh, you had <laughs> excuse me NIU at seventy five too, right? Uh, yes, Northern Illinois. Okay. Yes, oh, you had them seventy five also. Yeah. Yeah. So we're okay, right. we're so about we're the same. So I I had Central Michigan at uh, at nine and three. You had them at eight and four. Uh, but you like uh, Toledo at da, 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 seven and seven five. Seven and five, awesome. So yeah, I've got them eight and four. Uh, I think, like, I don't have them quite where SP Plus has them projected, which is Bill Conley's metric. Um, but I do think, you know, I, I, I will tell you this: I think Western Michigan is going to drop off this year. Ball State is going to drop off quite a bit. Uh, they yep. should be able to handle Bowling Green. Uh, at Eastern Michigan could be a little tricky, but that's maybe only because I, I trust Chris Creighton. We'll talk about them in a minute. Um, you know, the other side of the conference, they they got Buffalo, Bowling Green, and do, 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 who am I missing? Uh, oh, Kent State. So, you know, I mean, they and, and they get Kent State at home. Like, I, I think the schedule sets up for them to have a pretty decent year. They could certainly uh, win the MAC this year. Like it, yeah. But they could do that every year. So we'll just have to see. We'll see what they do. Uh, what do you think is? Do you think Jason Candle? There was a there was talk in the off season that he was being kind of recruited to take the Miami offensive coordinator job. Do you think that would have been a smart idea for him? No. Like with the I way that, with the way that things have gone until I mean it would have been raised for sure, but Ooh, yes. the way that things have gone like. It, 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 not to not to be cliche, but the candle is kind of burning out on Jason Candle a little bit. You remember how much hype there was for him uh, after uh, God? What's the what's the Iowa State coach's name? I just went blank. Matt Campbell. After Matt Campbell. Matt left, Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. So once he left Toledo because he did a great job at Toledo, Jason Candle came in, had a really good first year, and everybody thought, "Oh, this is the next one. This is the next guy." And and it has not been that at all. Yeah, but hang on. That, that Miami OC job, that uh, that job equivalent will always be there. The, there'll be there'll be nine power five jobs looking for OCs all the time. Okay? So that's that's not that's not anything where you gotta run and jump at. If you don't take it now, that job's never coming to you. Okay? He can always go and do that. So. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Even if you get fired, you'll still have a job. Like Yep. That's okay. That, I guess that if, makes if sense. you if you th- if you think he's good enough of a play caller and an offensive developer, 
then then somebody will hire him. That's true. That's, I was looking at it as, as maybe a chance to take that job, and then that can get you a, a P5 job quicker than uh, – Well, but the problem you know. is, is if no, because you've got to look at the resume, man. If you're going to hire him for a P5 job, but he wasn't successful at Toledo, and the guy before him was successful at Toledo, and that guy is now moderately successful at P5, why would you take a chance on the guy that wasn't successful at the Toledo job and then was an OC at a big boy school that might be ramping up? How much of that is his talent and how much of that is him? Ah, okay. I think those, yeah. questions, I think those questions are always going to be there. They're just always going to be there to try to get him a power five job. But there's uh, yeah. nothing wrong with if you can't if you can't be great at Toledo in three or four years and you end up an OC at one of these monster schools with huge budgets and you make a gang of money, okay. Like that's a great living. Why do you have to be the head coach? There's you know, there's only so many of those big boy jobs out there. That's a valid point. That's you you do have a valid point there. Uh we will move on. To the Ball State Cardinals. Write my time down here. Uh, Ball State. Last year, everybody thought was going to be a big, big season for the Cardinals and head coach Mike New. But the truth of the matter is, they went six and seven. They were lucky to make a bowl game. Uh, they went four and four in conference. Um, but last year, they were number one in returning production from a team that went what seven and one uh, in the yeah. COVID shortened season. Like they played really, really well, and then last year, uh, just did not turn out the way that anybody expected it to. They lost their quarterback Drew Plitt. They lost the wide receiver, like longtime star wide receiver Justin Hall. Safety Bryce Cosby is gone. Both linebackers Thomas and Albright are gone. Uh, the right guard Curtis Blackwell out of here. I, this is this is not good. Like they are number one twenty-seven in the country in returning production. Um, and it's, I mean, it's not good across the board. Like, their their roster strength overall right now is number 125 in the country. That is, you know, bottom six in FBS. Definitely not good. Uh, they do have, you know, some guys that, that are that are sturdy. You got wide receiver Johannes Tyler. They got running back Carson Steele, linebacker Clayton Cole, cornerback Amichi Uzodinma, the third, or the second, excuse me. Um, they have a lot of efficient pieces on offense. And their new quarterback, John Paddock, has at least played some snaps. He got 48 snaps last year. But there's no proven playmakers on offense. Now, can you develop some? Absolutely. Uh, they were insanely balanced last year. Like this, <laughs> I looked at this. They had 444 rushes last year to 440 passes. So they were 50-50 they were rushing and passing. But they only averaged 4.98 yards per play. That was number 113 in the FBS. You got to improve consistency. You got to be more explosive on offense. Uh, and then the defense. I mean, it does not get better on that side. They lost six of eight snap leaders at linebacker. Their top three defensive backs are gone. Two of their top three offensive linemen are gone. Um, they only brought in two defensive transfers. So this will certainly be a youth movement, which which New has done. And it, you know, capped off with that 2020 uh, season that was you know seven and one ended up winning the bowl game all the it was great but is is ball state just going to be one of those teams that has to rebuild and then every four years they get a chance to compete for the conference title uh, it certainly looks like that's the direction he's going they got five defensive linemen with over 200 snaps last year 
but only two linebackers and three defensive backs. Uh, and that is from a defense that was, I mean, that was bad. They have got to figure out something in the secondary this year. Uh, brother, they were number 100 in defensive PPA per drive, but they were also number 108 in offensive PPA per drive. Like, <laughs> it just makes no sense. Uh, it, they returned basically everybody last year. The offensive line injuries hurt them quite a bit last year, but but the defense was so bad. Um, there was nothing, really, that they were good at other than their turnover margin was number 25 in the country, and they were number 22 in penalties per game. Like, they were – that stuff that's really well-coached. So, it, they're a well-coached team, I guess, fundamentally – but without real playmakers, I don't know that I expect any kind of improvement. They went six and seven last year and lost the bowl game. I, I've got them at four and eight, and I think that might be generous. Like, where are you looking oh. for this team? All right, so we we differ a little bit here too. I've got them five and six, one game better than you. Um, four? How'd you get to four and eight? Oh, I guess I five and seven. Yeah, right, five and seven. Yeah. My, 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 I, for somehow I didn't count a loss uh, somewhere. I got them five and seven. Um, and and I don't think they're going to be great, but I don't, you know, I think that's a little over market correction. Like last year, we thought they would be world beaters and win this conference, and this year, like there's a world where five and seven could be the worst team in this division. But you know, I mean, I don't I don't know that it's just going to swing that far. I think at some point in time they're going to level out. They're going to find a way to win a couple of ball games that we're not expecting. And but some of that's because I think all these teams are capable of dropping a game, winning a game. Like, I, I just don't see anybody as a juggernaut here. I, I mean, don't. you're not wrong there. You're not wrong on that. I, I looked at their schedule. They play – these are their road conference games. At Central Michigan, at Kent State, at Toledo, at Miami of Ohio. And then you've still got Western Michigan at home, which, you know, Western Michigan is losing a lot, but I still think they've got a better roster than, uh, than Ball State. Uh, they got to play at Tennessee. They've got at Georgia Southern, which I've actually got as a win for them because it's early enough in the season – uh, you got to play Northern Illinois at home. Like your your other non conference win that I believe is uh, is UConn, UConn and Murray State. Like you got those, but I mean this is a rough stretch that they got to go on. Um, you do get Eastern Michigan at home, and you get Ohio at home. So you know, could they win both of those? Absolutely. Uh, but I just did. Man, they lost so much last year, and I just have not. It's just it's. I, I guess where you and I differ is I don't put that much weight on home field advantage for all these teams. I've seen way too many of these teams. It's not like a hundred thousand strong are going to be out here. Okay? You're not wrong. <laughs> I just don't think. I just don't think the fact that oh well, they're just going to lose all their home their road games. Like their only possible wins are home games. That doesn't make any sense to me because I watch it happen every year. That's okay. I can I can get with you. It's not so much the road home stuff. It is, man. It was already pretty difficult anyway going against those teams that are a lot more stacked than this roster. Um, and then you put in that added element of, you know, then yeah, then but you that's what travel. hang on. But that's what that's what you you think those rosters are more stacked. Just like we thought Ball State was stacked last year, but we don't know. We don't know until they start yeah. playing. Yeah. No, you're you're correct. You're correct. We we whiffed on Ball State quite a bit last year. I think I had them going eight and four, and they, I mean they went six yeah. and six, but you know, still uh, still not quite up to expectation last season. They just they were not good across the board any any of the stats. So, uh, I mean, I'm got, one game different than you, but I would bet that I would I would have if I had to bet right now, I bet they would be more likely to go six and six than four and eight. 
Like I'd rather I I think they'd win one more game than I think they would over lose a game that I think they would. So you uh you a big believer in Mike New, huh? I don't know if that's a big believer though. Like six and six is not a big believer in anybody. Six that's and true. six in a in a in a in a Mac team? Come on, what is that a believer in? <laughs> That's that's a believer in every team is the exact same. So they're so yes. they'll basically all end up six and six. But I, but I've said that like I, they, yeah, I don't, they're not all going to end up six and six. But I I I think at best a team is going to to win two games more than they lose in this in this situation in okay. this division. I no, don't no, see I anybody be- being three or four games better than everybody else. That's a on this side of the ball. It's a valid point. It is a valid point. Uh, let's jump into Eastern Michigan. We got two more that we got to knock out here. The Eastern Michigan Eagles, and you know how much I love Chris Creighton. Uh, went seven and six last year, which was uh, which was really good, really good for them. Went four and four in the conference. Uh, they were five and eight against the spread. They had some really unlikely wins. Just random stuff, you know. Western Michigan, everything else, where they were winning games by like one point here. Um, you know, Creighton is the offensive coordinator, too, here. So, uh, if if the offense was was good, it played well on him. Ben Bryant, the quarterback, transferred back over to Cincinnati, and they brought in Taylor Powell from Troy to be the new quarterback. Uh, can he be as good or efficient as Bryant? I don't know. That's a lot to ask. Uh, the passing game was efficient, but they were number 82 in rushing success rate last year. They need offensive linemen to step up here. Um, As far as the guys that they lost, uh, one of the big ones, Mike Van Hoven, the center, uh, he was a key, key part of that offensive line. Uh, Without him, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they look like. Um, They do return uh, Jose Ramirez on the uh, defensive line, defensive tackle there. Uh, Wide receiver Hassan Baden, uh, excuse me, left guard, uh, Saidi Sow and Darius Boone, the running back, are back. So you've got guys that that have a lot of experience there. Uh, the defense, they got 14 players returning with 200 plus snaps each. But again, the question is, are any of them good? They were number 113 in PPA per drive on defense last year. Number 127 in defensive rushing success rate allowed. Defensive passing success rate allowed at number 115 in the country. Uh, that ain't good. That is, I mean, they... It, I don't even know how to quantify how bad it is because we saw the same thing with some of these other teams. Like, some of these defenses were just putrid. Um, and they just gave up explosive plays all the time, et cetera, except for these guys. They were number 15 in explosive play rate, which was crazy. Uh, my question here is, has Creighton already peaked as the coach? Now, they've made four bowl games since 2016. Before he showed up, the last winning season was in 1994 and they had only made two bowl games in their existence. This is a really, really difficult job. The roster is always bottom 30 nationally. But as far as team strength with experience and everything else tied in, they're sixth in the MAC this year. If you can keep the offense rolling, that's one thing. But the defense still has to be better. Uh, this roster does not show me a bowl game. But... You know, the, my trust in Chris Creighton might actually get me there again. Which, by the way, I'm, I need to bring this up. Uh, their defensive passing game coordinator and their safeties coach for the last seven years, Fred Reed, uh, just died on Sunday. So what what exactly was his role? How much does that play in? Does the team fight? 
uh, you know, for his memory or, you know, I'm curious what something like that does for a team like this. Uh, do they have this crazy year because they lost him in the offseason? I'm curious about that. Um, and there's no news on that, by the way. They said it was a medical emergency, uh, and it's, you know, it's a shame to hear that. We, you know, thoughts and prayers, the the typical cliche thing, but obviously thoughts are with uh, the team and the family and everything else with Fred Reed. But uh, overall, this is this is not a greatly built team. Uh, I just, you know I love Chris Creighton. I couldn't get there. I've got him five and seven. But, I mean, if they made a bowl game, it would not surprise me um, because it's the MAC. What, uh, what do you think here? Uh, I think this team is going to be up and down. I think it's going to be – I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle to look consistent offensively and defensively. I, I don't know that they do anything great. That's my biggest problem with this team. I don't know if there's anything that they're really, really good at. The only thing they were good at last year was uh, was their passing success rate was number seventeen. Their rushing success rate was number eighty two. Uh, yeah. But but they lost their quarterback. So you know when he transferred over to Cincinnati, it, like Taylor Powell was not great in Chip Lindsey's offense at uh, Troy. So you know he's got talent, but does it show here? Like can Creighton coach I him know. up? I I gave him five and seven. I got no idea if that's close. If that's good. There's nothing that, and I don't mean to be insulting, there's nothing that they do on paper and last year on film that has, that that I would I would use the word impressive. I'd, I've got, like, I've got an idea that they could be all right. So they play Eastern Kentucky. Uh, they've got Buffalo at home. They've got UMass at home. Uh, they play at Akron. Um, you know, those are those are some of the wins that I see. I even gave them a win over Toledo. Just because it would be the most, you know, Chris Creighton thing ever, and the most Jason yeah. Candle thing ever. Um, so that's how I've got them to five and seven. But like, you tell me that they beat Northern Illinois uh, or Ball State or any, anybody else. Like, it makes sense to me because Chris Creighton is such a good coach. Uh, yeah. Proof of that, by the way, turnover margin last year number forty three. Penalties per game, they were number one in the country with the least penalties per game. They do not beat themselves. Like. But I don't know, I don't know how to quantify that into wins, right? Like that's they're just they're not as talented as some of these other uh, some of these other teams in the division. Uh, so you know, so long as they don't beat themselves, like you're going to be able to find another winner here, right? Yeah. Some some of these teams, some of these teams I have with a very similar record are, are one or two games better than them, and and it's you know, do I think they're going to be consistent? No. But do I think they're good? Yes. Like, I think that they show flashes of either being a really good defensive team, and if they can just keep the scoring under control, they can win those games. Our teams that can score well, and if they can just get stops here or there, the ball bounces away. Like, I think they show positive aspects on that. I really can't figure out what Eastern Michigan's good at. That's, and I, I think that's the I you. think that's the one I think that's the one thing that makes me if I was gonna give no pick on anything. For this team, it, this would be the or in this conference, the whole conference. I'd have been like, this is the one team that I don't, I don't know anything about that I can honestly say I think this, and I think that that's actually real. I don't know. I just, and that's just being honest. I know that's a 
terrible analysis for anybody <laughs> listening to try to actually but that's I don't know I'd, I'd rather not lie to you I don't want to do some hyperbole thing and be like oh I think they're gonna go eight and four and try to sell you a bunch of bullshit or you know talk trash and say they're gonna be terrible I don't know that's it you, it's a fair point it's a fair point last team on the docket the Western Michigan Broncos Tim Lester last year took this team to an eight and excuse me eight and five record uh they went 6-6-1 six, six and one against the spread. They won their bowl game, absolutely blew out Nevada. And after that, the quarterback, Caleb Ellaby, and their wide receiver, star wide receiver, Sky Moore, both decided they were going to leave early for the NFL draft. And Sky Moore got drafted, and Caleb Ellaby did not. Uh, but they lost a lot of other dudes as well. Wide receiver Jalen Hall transferred to Western Kentucky. The tight end, Anthony Torres, transferred to Toledo. Stayed in conference there. Defensive end, Ali Fayad, uh, the nose guard, Ralph Holy, uh, Holly, excuse me, AJ Thomas, the linebacker, center, Mike Caliendo. I mean, they lost some stud dudes. Uh, returning production, they are number 124 in the country, only returning 49% of their production, and they are dead last in offensive returning production, 27%. Uh, that ranks number 130. The defense, a little bit better, number 53 in the country at 70%. Um, the roster strength is still pretty good because they have recruited uh, really well for a MAC team. Tim Lester's done a good job. Uh, the the running back Sean Tyler, like he's back. The wide receiver Corey Crooms is black. Uh, uh, excuse me, back. Uh, Sam Houston State's left tackle Elisa Anderson. I believe that's how you say that. He is coming in and he should be a hoss for them on the offensive line. Uh, they got Braden Fisk back at defensive tackle. Cornerback Dorian Jackson back. Linebacker Zaire Barnes. Uh, looking at the offense with without Ellaby, uh, you know what is this team like? I don't know who starts between uh, Salapek and Herbowski. Um, on top of that, in five seasons, Lester has really only had two starting quarterbacks. Like, will the efficiency drop off because Caleb Ellaby was a playmaker? I mean, he was awesome. This team passed the ball sixty-two percent of the time last year. They had a sixty-two thirty-eight split. I'm curious if Lester changes his philosophy if he can't find a quarterback that he trusts. Um, they need to replace four of their top six pass catchers, so that's certainly not good for an offense that throws the ball that much. Uh, and then looking at the defense, you know, this defense was not bad. They were number seven in the country in defensive passing success rate allowed, uh, but they were number 124 in explosive play rate. Um, if you look at it, like, they ranked number 92 in 20-plus yards uh, plays allowed. Um which is crazy because of the, the passing success right there. But there are playmakers at every level of this defense. The question is, can they actually play together? My keys to the season here are the defense has to limit the big plays and yet maintain their third down defense, which was number three in FBS last year. The offense has got to replace Ellaby. They need new receiving threats to uh, establish themselves. The running back, Sean Tyler, is probably going to be a hoss here. They need consistency. This team upset Pitt last year and then got stomped a couple of games later at home by Ball State, who was not very good. I just just play with consistency. That's what I'm looking for here. I've got them going seven and five based on roster strength alone. Um, you know, like I I think they can win at San Jose State. I think they can beat New Hampshire. I think they can beat Eastern <clears throat> Michigan, Ohio, uh, Miami of Ohio, Bowling Green. Like these are all teams that talent wise, this team should be better than. I've I've got him seven and five because I trust Tim Lester. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they miss a bowl game this year if the quarterback doesn't hit. Like I, you know. Right. <clears throat> so I I got him five and seven. This is so this is the biggest one we've got we're we're against because usually we're one game apart. 
Um, and, and now we're two. I, uh, I don't listen now. You're going to besmirch the good name of the, the, the San Jose State Trojans. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. This is, this is a hard non con schedule right here. I mean, outside of New Hampshire, they got Michigan State, they got Pitt, they got San Jose State. That's tough. And, and uh, but you, 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 you rang the bell at the very end, the last thing you said. It's all going to come down to the quarterback they pick. And is oh, yeah. he the right guy? And, and here's the problem. If he's not the right guy, by the time you realize he's not the right guy, how many winnable games have you lost? All right? So, so because the schedule is real hard early, you, let, let's say, let's say you, you beat Michigan State. You lose Michigan State, you get walked. Then, you, then let's say you, you win a game against Ball State. Then you get walked against Penn State. And let's say you, let's say you lose San Jose State. Then you beat New Hampshire. Have you figured out if your quarterback is good yet or not? No, not really. Not really. All I right, mean, so, you got so an idea, not, but so yeah. you're not gonna. Yeah, but when you're playing these real good teams and or these really bad teams, you're not gonna be able to judge your guy. You're just not. I would. I, if I was in a quarterback battle, I would be going to my AD and I'd be telling him, "Look, I don't want stars and scrubs at the first half of the schedule for non-cons." Okay. I know we got a bunch of pay for wins. These big boys are going to cut us a check to kick the shit out of us. But I can't be playing New Hampshire. I need to find a team. And I guess San Jose will be your best test, right? That's your most even playing field that you're going to find probably. Well, that yeah, that but, and Ball State, I guess. And, oh, yeah, you get Ball State second game of the season. But, like, I, I you're right about that. I, I just feel like if you get it wrong, it could go real south real fast. Because by the time you're making the change – you could be four losses into the season already. Yeah. And you got half the season left. And then you got to hope the next guy, A, picks up the offense, or what if you were right all along and the next guy's worse than the first guy? And you just don't know. When you have an unknown, like a low star, um, you know, not highly recruited quarterback battle going in, you just don't know enough about these guys until they see live bullets, until you get them on the field and you start getting them against – Live competition. You just can't practice this. It's just not possible to find out in practice. Yeah, what you hope for is that one of them establishes themselves uh, in fall camp. Early. Yeah. Real early. Yeah, I'm talking dominates. And you never want this, but you kind of want the other guy, if he's not going to be the dude, to kind of fall to pieces. Because you just don't want the question mark. You, yeah. don't, you don't want it to be tight because then, you, you know, you're in game four or five against San Jose State. And you're trying to figure out shit. Which one of these dudes do I put out here? Who do we go with? What are we doing? Yeah, because it, like we always talk about coaches at this point, know everything. Let's say they're two. Yeah, but they, but they, they don't. Be two and two at that point, and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> no, and and I can't say if I was the coach, I would know either. Like some, if these guys are really close, some of these guys, it's tough. It's hard. That's why they get paid a lot of money to do it. They got to make true. these decisions. This and is if true. you're wrong, if you make the wrong call, it could go south early and that's that's the only reason it's a five and seven because i don't know enough about either one of these quarterbacks and i feel like if you're flipping a coin right now it it doesn't matter where the coin lands i think they're gonna second guess it which means at some point in time they're gonna try to pivot to try to do something different in the middle of the season and i just don't think that ends well and i don't know that that's oh that's a bad coach I, i think every coach would struggle with that i think every one of them would yeah yeah that's, but, so you. I don't blame the coach for that situation. I don't blame the kids for that situation. It's just a situation where you just want to have a 
Listen, my team, my LSU football team is is dealing with this right now. I think yeah, we got, you got two three guys, guys that are that are going to be neck and neck all the way up. And if Brian Kelly makes the wrong call on the wrong dude, the season could be over by week five. I mean, it could be over by like week three. But, well, yeah, I guess you're right if you're talking about yeah. trying to win a national championship because you lose two games at the ball game. But like, that's that's the thing that you got to deal with when you've got a quarterback battle. You got a school like Ole Miss, they brought in a transfer, they know who their guy is. He ain't competing with anybody, okay? They, they can say all the camp stuff they want to say about, oh, this other guy is looking good. That's all bullshit, okay? The big five-star kid that got transferred in, he's going to start, he's going to play. That's the end of the story. <laughs> like, they know who the quarterback is. I'd rather have that than a quarterback battle. True, true. Uh, by the way, let me uh, let me correct you on something. Uh, San Jose State is the Spartans, not the Trojans. Uh, apparently they they oh, frown shit. on the Trojans. <laughs> so, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm just sure. in case that there's that, any San Jose State nope, fans. That's, that's on me. That's that's just on me. It is all good. All right. Hey, is listen. There... We've we've talked. Listen. We've talked San Jose State more than any college football podcast in the country. I'll I think put you're my right. Name on that. I think you're right. I'll put my name on that. <laughs> we talked a lot. I just, especially... I just got that. I just get, I just got that wrong. Uh, especially with Nick Starkle at quarterback, right? Like we talked quite a bit about oh, them man. two years ago and last year. Um, yeah, the kind of fell last to pieces. couple of years we, we've we've won we've won some money on them. Now you got that right. You have got that right, uh, brother. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? <sighs> nope, I'm done. All right, let's go. let's go ahead and get out of here. You guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co